Welcome to episode four of the Grassroots Guide podcast with me, Harry Purdy. Today, I'm delighted to introduce my first female guest for the podcast, somebody that I've known since I was four years old, a very successful woman's footballer. We have today Demi Bromfield. Hello, Demi. Hi, everybody. Hi, Harry. You all right? Yeah, all good. How are you doing? Oh, really well, thank you. Really so um, I've asked you pre-record, but actually, what are you uh, looking forward to most about being on today? Mm, questions. I'm excited to know what you want to know. Yeah. And to get an opinion from a woman footballer as well, because um, it's definitely a, a different story. It's well. growing, isn't it? Women's yeah, football. Mass- yeah, massively. Yeah, it's really good, especially youth as well. It's getting bigger and bigger and the standards getting higher. So I, um, I'm sure you've heard this question asked previously on the other podcast because you you did give me a sneak to say that you had listened to some other ones so who is Demi Agar at a grassroots sport level then um so my highest I would say that I've played is uh, army women's football um obviously we've played other armies across like the world so it'll be like uh, German football team uh, things like that so that's probably the highest that I've played um the standard there is is really really good it's probably a bit out of my league but um yeah so that so that's the highest I say so obviously started off at the oval from a really really young age um and then yeah it got more into football with the army once I joined that and then yeah I've been a bit cool so there's been um a bit of you've had a bit of history haven't you throughout football I literally I remember I could imagine actually and I'm pretty sure that you were the first female or girl at the time that I ever played football with at primary school so how did you get into football and it's probably my dad more than anything and then obviously having a younger brother as well that played I was always watching him thinking I'd love to play but obviously girls football wasn't really I mean it was a thing but it's nowhere near the size as it was now um and yeah dad just really pushed me and we used to obviously go to the local park like everybody does and play and at that time the only, at that age as well, school was the only um, team that I could play for. But obviously, I was the only female. So it was really hard uh, for girls to go into a normal team. Um, and then obviously, you've got prove yourself. And you used to always get that look as well, can a girl really play football? And obviously, it was just the norm back then. And then more and more teams opened up. So overall, I can't remember what age I started, but it was really, really young. So yeah, it just grew from there really, from from all saints back in back in the day. Yeah. And then from a, a social club really, and then yeah. was really yeah. Brilliant. So um, you're not from around here originally, are you, Dem? So yeah. tell us a little bit about your uh, where you're from and what you remember about that, if you remember anything. Well, so I'm originally from Sunderland, so way way up north in the cold. Um, but my dad was in the Navy, so when my mum and dad obviously met, we relocated with the dad in the Navy and moved down south. I was far too young when I was in Sunderland to play any football then, so when I come down south, that was my first opportunity uh, to play, really, when, when we moved down south with my mum and dad, yeah. So what do you remember <laughs> about, um, sorry, what do you remember about uh, All Saints Primary School? And obviously, more importantly, what do you remember about the football there? All Saints. I had nothing but really good fond memories and the people that I went to school with, I'm pretty sure you say, every time we all see each other, it's like it's not, it was yesterday, like it, it's not all those years ago and it was such a lovely environment and it was so welcoming and the football as well, they just welcomed me with open arms, like all the 
yourself and all the other uh, boys there. They were so welcoming and so nice. So, yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant environment. I recommend any children that are. <laughs> yeah 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 um i think as well like just looking back at it from my own point of view when you're that young um and obviously like my there was no influences above me that was telling me that like girls shouldn't play football women shouldn't yeah. play football so it was just sort of normal like and yeah, yeah. i suppose in some ways in a lucky sense it was good that there was you at all saints in our age group that wanted to get involved and i'm pretty sure like you stood out as somebody that could hold their own and play against boys at that age from an early level without without sounding um an ego or big-headed or anything when i first turned up i was so nervous and actually it was more of a self-conscious thing but once i start playing boys would always go oh my god like you can actually play like all the time <laughs> yeah. until now like but that concept of they're not going to be welcoming we probably put more pressure on ourselves as females than actually men thinking well women can't play football it, it's probably us putting a lot of pressure on ourselves and when we actually get playing men always say are they're always so nice about it they're never ever like what you expect it to be the environment you expect it to be like and they're so welcoming and everything so um the pressure we put on ourselves is a lot more than what we need to. Put it yeah, way. almost like um, a bit of a, not a barrier. Well, yeah, kind of a barrier that like you feel that there's already a barrier there. So it's almost like you put one up yourself. Is that yeah. like kind yeah. of how it feels? Rather than, rather than walking in normal and being happy or or thinking, oh, they're, they're going to be normal, which they all are. Like exactly like you say, you put this barrier up and then you almost exclude yourself. Nobody's yeah. excluded, but as a person, we we almost exclude ourselves because we think that they've already got that prejudgment about us, and it it was it was never really like that anyway. So. Yeah, that's very true. I've got a um a little like well funny memory really. Those who who played against All Saints or at All Saints Primary School would probably remember that we were the only primary school in the area that had not full size goals but three quarter size goals. Every time we played there, we like the score lines would be ridiculous, like seven fives, four like four yeah. alls. And do you do you remember that? Um yeah. and Pat Delaney being in goal and <laughs> trying to defend that massive goal. Like we were tiny as well. Well I was tiny, but you know, we were all kids, so yeah, trying to defend that massive goal. Ridiculous. And then we'd go to other pitches and they'd have like the standard under twelves goals or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we'd be like, oh, normally when we shoot, it goes in. <laughs> <laughs> and they were always going wide and we wondered why. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. So then um, going away from All Saints, as much as the memories were great there for you in terms of getting into football, we weren't the most successful primary school, were we? What um, what do you remember about uh, going from like obviously primary school to secondary school? And, and it's obviously just keeping to the football theme um what were yeah. the differences so obviously the main difference was that was an all-girls team that was obviously the main massive difference from going from primary to secondary um was that it was an all-girls team um, and there was a massive there was actually more of a bond because we were, were all females so it was quite nice for myself but not nothing against men that, or anything but it was just that barrier that I put up myself I could finally drop but 
the differences, I don't think there was much, just apart from that more of a comfort zone. That's all I can say is that there was the more of a comfort zone, definitely. Did it um, enable you to kind of train better then and more comfortable at an age where you were playing with other girls or women more regularly? Or do you think that it actually had a bit of a hindrance? As much as it's hard to train with males, you actually learn a lot. So yeah. your performance can actually improve because you're out of your comfort zone. And there will, men and women play completely differently. Um, completely differently. Not, not that one's right or wrong, but it, it's just a completely different game. Um, so you learn different things. When I went to secondary or started playing at Yeovil, I was more confident to try things because I was more in my comfort zone. So I was trying things that I wouldn't probably try against males, um, tricks or whatever, skills or anything, um, and was able to show off my ability more because I had a bit of a, not a on my shoulder, that's a long, but a, a confidence boost because I'd already been playing with males and now I'm more in my comfort zone. Um, but I would say... If you train with males, actually the things that you can learn are just as probably better and just as good as what you do if you play all female. Yeah, definitely. Um, just a quick question then, regards you as a footballer, and obviously I don't mean this in any shape or form. No, no. You've always been quite small, Demi. So <laughs> how how have you combated that playing against men and then how does it? How does your size change your game from from when you were playing against men to now playing against women? Has it been uh, a noticeable thing for you? No, I wouldn't say a noticeable thing because I I played with men at such a young age, yeah. um, and obviously, as you know, the standards change as you get older, and you could get away with making so many mistakes when you're younger in primary school. But what I would say is that we all have strengths and weaknesses all of us and if you can show your strength more than your weakness you you can obviously train your weaknesses but your strength will obviously show a lot better so yeah. as much as I am small it was probably my speed that helped me um combat that weakness yeah definitely <laughs> and actually sometimes it, you, it comes to my advantage being short especially if I chose certain positions like on the wing for example um pretty much on the wing 90% of the time I needed to um so I would use that to my best of my ability and combat it that way rather than going centre back or, yeah, <laughs> or something yeah. like that. <laughs> you so, know so. so where does yeah. uh where does Demi Bromfield find herself playing these days what is her position it depends which team it I would like to call myself a utility player and that's the only reason yeah because whichever team uh I play for seem to put me in a position that works for their team the best, which is obviously that's fine. Um, so I was always a winger or uh, left back, right back, but now it's probably centre midfield. Nice, yeah. I I actually remember you as a midfielder. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I remember you. Um, I mean, obviously it's different in seven aside that we was playing back yeah. at back at school, but I I always remembered or thought that you were a centre midfielder. Yeah, just because you were. Yeah. Uh, quite tenacious I remember like never yeah. never scared that's like one big memory of you as a footballer and um yeah I always just remember sort of having I was always up front at school yeah. and then have you in behind backing uh -huh. me up yeah yeah actually going back to the size thing I think <laughs> this is no offense to other players but 
taller players have this um, image of you when you come on the pitch, you know, when you're on the lineup, and they look at you and go, she ain't going to be a problem because I'm six foot and she's three foot. <laughs> um, but actually, actually, if you put, going for a tackle, Terry Trowbridge will be able to back me this up. If you go in for a tackle hard, they'll remember it. And they actually go, oh, okay, I've got to remember that one, or I can't let a game get away with that next time. Or if you are too quick for them, as much as they are big, if you can get around them, that that height doesn't always uh, help. Obviously, but yeah, no, definitely. You've you've only got to look at um, Fran Kirby from a female perspective, and obviously yeah, yeah. Le- Lionel Messi from a male perspective to know that you've not got to be the biggest player on the pitch to be the best. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, so going, obviously we've gone on a little bit of a tangent there. Just going back to secondary school and just talk us through like your memories from the football there. Like, was it good memories for you? It was amazing memories, actually. And we had a brilliant bunch of girls and we were actually in the league that we played, not actually a bad side. We always come out of results. We were always in semi-finals and finals and our rivals were always bucked with me. They were always the same standard as us. And it was funny, it was against, it was all sports, not just football, but we were always, always against them in the semis or the finals. Um, just brilliant memories. We just had such a laugh. And we, because we weren't that bad as a team compared to other teams, we could have a laugh as well. It wasn't all so serious for us. So um, the bus journeys, as you would know, for, for male sides, they were always a laugh. And, you know the songs and the buses and things like that so yeah it was it was always uh, a really good atmosphere for yeah. yeah and and then obviously your um involvement in Yeovil Town women's was it yeah or was it uh, was it yeah so just tell us a bit about that so I'm just trying to think what age I actually started at Yeovil um it must have been young I want to say like 11 maybe maybe 12 something like that um, obviously, we were. I, when I first started, we wasn't old enough to play, so we were only training. And then they started up the youth team, and we were managed by either I don't know if you know Kia Bowles and uh, Emma Manley as well. And they were our managers as youth. They were in the women's team as well, managing us youth girls. Um, and the standard, it, I was. We were so lucky here to live in Yeovil and to have that standard of football on our doorstep because back when I was younger, that some girls were traveling two hours three hours to train in because they had nothing around their local area oh, wow. so, for some, so for a small town like ours the standard of football we play um at yeovil was so good um the closest other to us is bristol and um, so yeah it was really really good yeah yeah and how long were you there then then playing like as, as a youth player at yeovil uh so i actually um I finished as in the ladies' first team. Before this was before it went into so they split the overall ladies from first to second to third team because yeah. they had so many years by the time that I'd left. Um, but I finished there. I want to say twenty maybe, but I, that was only for work commitments because obviously um, women's football, obviously the higher you get, it, but you don't get paid obviously. And in the line of work that I was doing was managing a, a pub. You had cut the, it wasn't uh, accommodating to football yeah. or on the weekends and things. So I had to do work for football, unfortunately. 
and one of my biggest regrets but you know you can't go back so when I joined the army after that I was really lucky that I could do both you know so um, yeah yeah definitely so um if any of the listeners are um, unaware Yeovil women's team made it to the women's super league for the first time over the last couple of years so my question to you Demi is how many of the players are there now that you would have played with or can you like name any specifically sort of thing I don't think there is any is there not no I don't think there is because this will go on to the next part of the story but um a lot of the players that I played with uh, at Yeovil left and we started up Sherbourne or ah. the girls and, and where's started up Sherbourne and left Yeovil because Yeovil was getting very uh, yeah, serious obviously and they were buying a lot of players in or, or, or players from different areas um, and then obviously they set up the reserve league but I think something happened with the reserve league I don't know what, what I can't go into depth I, I I don't know what happened, but they had to let the reserve league go. You know, the third and the fourth team, they had to let them go. So that's why they left and started Sherborne. And when I heard about all the old girls that I used to play with and some of the younger ones started Sherborne, that's, that's why I joined Sherborne in the end. Amazing. Yeah, no, that's good. And um, do you remember playing against anybody when you were at Yeovil that may have gone on to um, do big things? Or like, I suppose the other way I could ask it is who was the best that you played with at Yeovil? The thing is, Harry, all of the players, all of the girls had such good abilities. They could have gone high, high places, but because of work commitments, family commitments, they all kind of decided to go um, probably more social than what they did serious. Yeah. But a lot of the best girls that I played with at my time, because a lot of them aren't there now, um, are still at, with me now. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a manly in the Sherborne now so I mean Yeovil's at such a high level now that they've brought in new players um, so yeah I mean Kelly Olders being one of them I play with her in the army um, but I didn't play with her at Yeovil she played yeah, with Yeovil okay, now yeah. I play with Yeovil at my youth but I played with her in the army so um, there is such good players there but not ones that were, were there at mine okay yeah no that makes sense so go on and Dem tell us about tell us about the army in general like uh, looking back at you uh, as a schoolgirl, and obviously knowing you as a younger person, I probably would yeah. never have put any money on you joining the army. So, yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. But obviously now I, I didn't even know that your dad was uh, in the navy, so there, there's a kind yeah. of link there. Um, tell yeah, us yeah. what made you want want to do that, and how how you got into yeah. Tell us just tell us about joining the army, really. I secretly always always wanted to do it, but um, it's that confidence thing again, and as much as people would say, oh, you are so confident or um, you come across confident, I just think that's my bubbly personality and that I put that barrier up. Well, actually, I'm so scared of failure that it puts me off trying anything because I'm scared that I'm going to fail. But with the army, I just kept getting pushed by my dad um, because he was Navy and he said it would suit you so much. But he always told me to join the army and not the Navy for sport reasons because they put a lot of funding into sport. Yeah. Um, so I decided the army um, went for a role that I'd already done on the out on the outside on Civil Street, joined up, and then obviously they kind of sold it to me with the football and the sporting community within the army and how high you can get. So I was just sold from that really, and I just thought, you know, what, if I don't do it now, because I did join a bit late compared to other girls, 
I'll never do it. Um, I, I finally took the courage to apply online, did it. And yeah, it was the best thing really that I ever done. Um, no regrets there at all. Um, so yeah, and then obviously got invited to trial for the, because there's two teams within the army. You get a trade team that like they my core, my trade is called AGC. Yeah. So it's like all local teams. Um, and then there's the army like first ladies team that you represent the army for. And um, so I trialed for both. Um, and then, yeah, it was successful, so it was good. So you were su- successful in both of them then, yeah? Yeah, yeah. My army, um, basically what happens is you'll get an AGC, you'll, you'll play for the AGC against other, so like, for example, we'll play logistics or we'll play in, uh, engineers and things like that, army air corps, things like that. And then the army first team will come and scout or have a look and invite you to a trial and they happen yearly and then you go. Amazing. And I got invited, I think, twice. And it, I just didn't have the confidence again. I was like, oh, no, it's not for me. Uh, not a chance. And then I got asked um, to go to Germany with the Army first team because um, they were short on players. Because obviously the Army is not like your average job. Girls are getting deployed to other countries. So sometimes the team are still playing, but they're missing some girls because they're deployed. Yeah. Um, so I was asked to go play to go to Germany to play to be basically a sub um, and then just through training and that that's where I got my foot in foot into the first uh, yeah first team and just stuck with them there amazing so um, is the is that the best standard you've played at then in the army first yeah, I, would, I, I would say so yeah definitely some of the girls there but Kelly Older she's army first um, she's semi-pro now and she plays the oval first so um, don't get me wrong, I don't get full 90 minutes, but I'm just happy to get my foot in the door, you know? <laughs> yeah, 100%. No, that's an amazing achievement when you consider the size of the British Army and how many people probably so, have trialled out for it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it is a, it's definitely serious and it's, you know, you've got to go in there with a serious attitude, which I, I quite like. Um, but yeah, it's, it, and it's a great bunch of girls as well. They're really welcoming as well. So yeah, really, really good. And travelled some like Germany and other places that have been amazing and, and good to see the standards. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Good. So talk to us about, a bit more about the experiences you've had then and, like, where you've played um, in like for the army team. So, obviously, you went to Germany. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so we went to Germany. So uh, that was actually a remembrance uh, game. Okay. So every year for remembrance, they televise it. Uh, so they either... It's on um, British Forces uh, channel. So oh, yeah. they come to us and we hold it at Old Shop. It's like a weekend long thing. Or we go to Germany, we take it in turns. And then after the game, we host an evening or they host the evening and pretty much we just get drunk, really. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, it is really good. So that's probably the best place I've played. Or for that, that was probably the most, well, the most pleased I felt, definitely, was you know, being on the on the bench, watching the girls come on with it, with it being televised and the national anthem coming on and all the, and the flag bearers being there. Amazing. It was such a good event to be part of. And yeah, it, did, it, did, it was very humbling to be that way. Yeah, no, definitely. I can imagine. And when you say older shot, is that um, a barracks or is that like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just out of London. Yeah, so it's about, about two hours from here. It's yeah, and I was going to say, if, it's, uh, if it was at the stadium, Chelsea have got a link there um oh, okay. yeah yeah, yeah, and they, yeah but yeah at the barracks so it's still pretty cool i imagine there's like a lot of people watching and stuff even yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that is one thing actually in the army. We always get so many supporters, um, especially families and things that yeah. like to come. Down. It is really good. It is. It, it, you do feel a sense of pride playing for them, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I imagine that um, at the end of the day, you're representing either your core, which I know is something that's quite important within the army structure itself, isn't it? And and yeah, f- furthermore, it's the British army, isn't it? So like, you're not just re- representing England or whatever. It's actually British Isles. So it's pretty cool, Dem. Yeah, Proud yeah, of you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. thanks. <laughs> cool. So then um, the next step of your footballing journey up to now is as you've previously mentioned Sherborne Town Women's formed is or did they have they formed recently so uh so last season obviously before Covid struck was I'm gonna say our second season as a team so I heard about it through um Kelly Cobridge again just keep testing her name out but yeah I heard it from her that this team was forming um by Wes um, he is a manager from Yeovil, but he started after I'd left, so I'd never met Wes. But all of my old friends from Yeovil um, were going to Sherborne. And I was like, oh, I'm going to I'll try this out. It sounds good because also with the Army, they like you to have a city team. Okay, good. Um, the Army first team, they, they prefer it if you can play on a weekend as well because because with the Army team, we're not getting regular weekly meetings. It's like either monthly or, or two monthly or whatever. Um, they they prefer you to have a city team. So when I had, but the problem is you want to go home on the weekend because obviously you're based away. So you want a team local to you. So when I heard about this team, I thought like, oh, I'm going to give this a try. And obviously because we formed as a new team, you have to start at the lowest level in your area possible. Um, so with our first season, it was a bit um, uh, intolerant for us and for the other team because the score lines were like 18 nil or 21 nil. Oh, wow. Yeah, they and. As much as it was great for us winning, we actually didn't enjoy it just as much as the other team hated it because we don't get anything out of that, and they didn't get any. The other team didn't get anything out of that. They're, no, we're, certainly we're not. So, um, it, what now we've started making our way up the league it is is much better standard, and, and we're more like three ones or one alls, or you know. So, uh, yeah, I think our first season we were like on the record sheet for the most scored goals that season or something for like local leagues or something like that. It was insane. But yeah, it wasn't anything, you know, really oh obviously it was good because we got uh, promoted in our first season, but it was just because we were all quite an already good standard as we formed and because we were a new team we had to start at the bottom. So respect to the girls that went went through those twenty nil because I wouldn't want to <laughs> No. It's the worst yeah, nightmare, isn't it? As a footballer, yeah. like you can uh take I mean, you can try your hardest, but if your hardest is getting from 20-0, then yeah. the team's playing at the wrong standard at the end of the day, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, respect to those girls because they were tolerant with it. Um, and obviously, they're home in a wing, home in a wing game. So on our second visit, they were a bit like, oh, God, we've got to face <laughs> these again. And you could see their faces. But, you know, they stuck with it. They've been there for 90 minutes. You know, and, you know, fair play. So then, yeah. what standard are you playing at at the moment? So our league is Southwestern Division, basically. So we go from anywhere. I think our league now, we were Dorset League because obviously we're Serborn. Yeah. Um, and then that league got stiffened to do. So we can travel as far as Cornwall now. 
Oh, wow. um, nicest away days with the travelling, but yeah, so so we do a, lot, a bit of travelling now. Obviously, COVID hit, so that's all on on boards, and we just started the lose. So um, it, it is a big shame um, for the girls, especially. But it's one of those things, and, and we're also in contact and things, and, and all running and, and helping each other get through it. So it's all good. Yeah, we'll come on to your fitness shortly. But in regards to um, in regards to COVID, it's horrendous, isn't it? Like I'm, I love. Uh, I'm sure you're the same. I love the competitiveness on Saturday afternoons. Where when I was running Montague, it was all about just winning, I suppose, and it just brings that natural instinct within yourself. Like everybody has it, don't they? When they're playing a sport, would you say that you're missing that? Definitely, and not just the competitiveness, but also the social side. Yeah. It such, take it for granted so much. Like, even it wasn't even about the football, it's just having that bit of girls to turn to, to, to go out with, or, you know, to go watch the city with down a pub, or whatever it is. Yeah. You just miss that and have that laugh and that banter at training. It, as sad as it sounds, it was like a family. And, no, and I understand. Music annoy each other and get on each other's nerves. <laughs> you all have your little groups in the foot or whatever, but it, it's just, it's such a thing for that. And and even going to watch football, so obviously we're part of Sherbourne and we'd go watch the men on a, on a Saturday afternoon and then obviously play on a Sunday. So you spend all weekend together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a massive, a massive thing. And not to know what's happening with the leagues as well, the unknown, it's just, just a nightmare, but, but yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, it's such a shame. I know um, the Yeovil League men's league have made a statement basically saying that if we miss much more football, then it will be done on a um, points per game basis. The league will be decided. Have you had any sort of statements like that in regards to what will happen if things continue or do you not know what the future holds for the rest of the season yet? Patrick Brown, our manager now, because um, Wes is now secretary, Patrick Brown is now our new manager, He's been trying to get some information and put in information out to us. Um, pretty much the same as you. They they are undecided and he is still trying to get that information so as soon as he knows, we'll know, I guess. But the thing is, we can't keep putting it on hold and just saying we'll replay the games because mm. you've only got a short amount of time. So I, I honestly don't know how they're going to do it, um, but I imagine it would be something on that basis, but I imagine. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's such a shame that things are up in the air, aren't they? But at the end of the day, people have just got to bear with the leagues and understand that we'll just stick our boots back on when we get the opportunity to, eh? Yeah, all lined up, ready to go. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I need to clean mine, actually, just on a side note. Um, (laughs) Cool. So... Um, just for the benefit of the listeners, Demi, um, I'm just I'm going to tell them that you are currently 21 weeks into pregnancy. If I remembered that correctly, yeah, yeah, I'm at 21 weeks. 21 well, weeks. So, um, yeah. so a a congratulations, Thank and you. um, just for again for the benefit of the listeners, Demi is uh, that competitive with football. She's still keeping herself fit and active and running during this time um a with covid and b with a baby with it in in her belly so how are you yeah yeah how are you uh doing that dem how are you staying fit and and also why like why are you not taking the time to just chill your beans <laughs> well, I, yeah um so i think 
running is I've decided to take a break from I used to do weight training obviously but I decided to take a break from that being pregnant um that was just a personal choice uh, some females do some females don't and I, I completely uh understand both sides um it's, it's a personal choice so I've just decided to stick with running um I think Harry to be honest with you part of it is the competitiveness because I can't um bear with the long recovery after pregnancy of having that long out and having to get back up to that standard that I've been training for. But also it's mental. I think if I didn't have running to do it, I don't know what I would do mentally. Um, yep. And as much as people go, well, uh, you know, it's not all about running. You can do fitness in other ways. They're absolutely right. But for me, running is such a mental release. Um, and I go a bit stir crazy if I don't do it. So, I don't even care what pace sometimes I'm doing. It, it's just all about the mental release, release for me. Unless yeah, I'm yeah. on Strava and everybody runs and I get jealous and I'm like, oh, I need to get, I need to get going again. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's something that um, I've dipped my toe in the water in. Like, yeah, I, I, my Strava name, yeah, no, my Strava name is a uh, very part-time runner because a, <laughs> a, if I run too far, my legs just go. Like, I just get little injuries. And B. Yeah. Of like as much as I love finishing it <laughs> during the run, like it's a nightmare. But you were you were smashing it in the first lockdown, weren't you? So like, what benefits do you find then mentally with running? Like, do you think it just helps with your mental health in general, or is there like a specific thing that you say it helps with in in other aspects? Does it make you chill out a little bit more, or it definitely helps overall, but. I would say the two main bit parts of it is overthinking. Yeah. You know, you get this in your head and you just can't uh, put them to bed or you make it the situation that you're thinking about 10 times worse than it actually is. Yeah. Um, I have a that in my head. So um, that is, um, it completely helps me regenerate my thoughts and think, get back to the base um, and be able to solve the problem that I've ever got. I've had runs, especially long runs. I've bloody laughed, cried, and everything on the runs on my own. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a release, and I get back, and I feel so much clearer. Um, I don't struggle too much with anxiety. Um, I have probably more since I've got older, but I wouldn't say it's a massive problem with me. But I do know a lot of friends and family that, that run purely just to help with their anxiety. Um, yeah. Because I know it's a relief for them. Um, but also just, I just think you feel better about about anything in general, about yourself. Um, obviously, running's not the only one out there. And there's loads of other things that, you know, that do that. But Harry, like you said, you hate it during. But I think even runners hate it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I can imagine. When they put themselves through their paces, they, they hate it until after. And then they think, actually, no, I feel so much better for doing it. So, yeah, you're not think, the only one there. Yeah, yeah, I think just on a review of what i said it's a weird one running because you have um and i'm sure loads of people listening will relate when you go out for a run you sort of have to talk yourself into doing it and then you can have moments on a longer run where you get three miles in and you feel that you could go forever you know what i mean and then you have that like i think they call it a runner's high don't they and i feel um they do say that people chase that, don't they? Like that little bit of an adrenaline kick and all that sort of stuff. And one thing you've already mentioned it, like hashtag not an ad, but Strava is such a good thing for 
just checking in with goals, isn't it? Keeping up a habit yeah. and or, and as well, like like I said, I'd not spoken to you until I sort of set you up to co- come on this podcast. But seeing that you were out and about in the last lockdown, seeing like people going regularly and stuff, almost as an incentive for you to get off your ass and out on the road isn't it but also I think Strava is so good for a running community because it it doesn't matter what ability you are you'll always have people at the same ability or or there's people that would cheer you on and encourage your goals it's such a good place um the runner's high there's that runner's brick wall that (laughs) you hit I can't carry on but I always say running is a mental thing it's more mental than it is physical and uh, you just sort of put yourself that you can do it rather than saying you can't do it but, yeah. yeah I think um I've had one pre like only one occasion where I can genuinely say that I felt a uh real runner's block and it was I, I was running I did I was out for a five mile run and I got about two miles in and I literally oh. it felt like I'd I don't even know, like ran through water for those two miles. My <laughs> hamstrings and my quads had like evaporated in front of me. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I just stopped. I was like, what on earth is going on here sort of thing. But you, what, what experiences have you had? Um, so the same, but mine, I love running with other people. I'm not the greatest runner on my own yeah. because I can talk myself into walking on my own. I don't know if you've ever done, you can talk yourself to stop and just say, oh, I can't do this anymore. And, and you can, yeah. but when you're with somebody else, those thoughts don't really come into your head as much. Um, but I say as well for running, it's actually a thing that you don't even think about that helps you massively, like stretching. Yeah. I, I'm awful at stretching, never do it. And actually when you do it, you realise how much your legs need it. Um, water intake and things like that, you don't think it's going to affect your running, but it, it it does massively um but yeah like i said that that mental block that you get if, as soon as you can combat that or defeat it your running games are totally different sort. yeah definitely so, yeah. but running with other people is is a is a massive thing and i was talking about goals earlier i'd love to start my own running club one day just because i think people benefit from having that community definitely yeah let me know when you do i might sign up yeah definitely <laughs> After um, baby. After. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I was going to go on. This might be a difficult question for you, Dem. Well, it's a bit more of a tricky one, I suppose. People <laughs> might be listening to this saying, like, why are you running whilst you've got a baby? What are what are you getting out of it sort of thing? You should be chilling out. What would you say to them in regards to that? Don't judge it until you do it yourself. Because actually yeah. I've had like a totally different side of the story that, that if, you, if you keep up with your normal routine don't ever do anything that you're not used to if you've never lifted a a weight or anything like that before you're pregnant don't start thinking oh I need to start doing that now because I am pregnant that's the wrong approach but I've always been a runner I've always always done it long distance short distances so my body didn't find a shock to it um and actually the benefit from it my symptoms the bad symptoms of pregnancy um actually reduced massively from running and as soon as I stopped running the bad symptoms all seem to come back, coming back. That's interesting. Um, I don't know why. I can't, I can't say why, but the, the aches and the pains of being pregnant actually reduce the more I keep active and the more I have TV days or, or you know, have those lady bed days that we all have, um, they actually come back. So, and I've heard as well that the more active you keep your labour, the short during pregnancy, the shorter your labour is. 
so I'm counting on that. To, yeah, to yeah, true. good luck with that one. Well, I mean, that's true or not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, obviously, fingers crossed for you on that one. And this podcast does not uh, say either way scientifically whether that's true or false. So. <laughs> but, but one thing I do know, so don't I don't listen to this and think I better do such in stuff. If you're not that active before, don't think that you need to start doing it during pregnancy because it has the opposite effect so but if you were always doing it before there's no reason why you can't carry on doing it just listen to your body and if you are tired then obviously rest but that's whether you're pregnant or not we all got to listen and tune in with our bodies so so yeah definitely (laughs) no that's really good really good so um my last question on football and pregnancy is how quickly after you have given birth to your child will you be looking to get back on the football pitch then so i'm due in june and covid obviously uh, aside if it started again in september i'd like to think i would be start training again by january i'd like to think that yeah whether that happens or not i'm not going to make a pre-assumption because I'm very bad at putting pressure on myself. And then if I don't make that uh, date that I've set in my head, I'll uh, I'll probably break down. But I'm just going to take it month by month, week by week, and as soon as I'm ready. But I'd like to think, think the early time of January. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the Grassroots Guy pod would probably put money on you playing before that, to be honest. Yeah. But just, just <laughs> knowing you... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that wraps up uh, your career, I think, so far, Demi. Obviously, we've we've both got a few more years to go. In we've both got a few years in the locker, shall we say? Yeah, um, if I need but, to hold out, say. If yeah, up to, up to now. Yeah, no, that's really good though. Um, obviously, every episode we do tend to finish. I'm sure you heard that in the last episode. So as long as yeah. you're happy to run through that, we're going to go through that now, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, Sorry. Cool. Yeah, sweet. Um, so question number one is I hope you've prepared this one because it's the important one. Is um what is your Tesco meal deal choice? Just ham. You joking? No, just ham. <laughs> I knew I was gonna get that reaction. You'll be surprised at how popular they are, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely never thought. <laughs> that anyone would ever say that on the podcast <laughs> i can't lie it's something really exotic because it's just not me um so plain jane just ham so I'm, i'd love to say that i'd go for like a snack that was healthy um i'd try to but it's definitely going to be a ticket on interest once a month yeah nice we've got a bit of flavor in there yeah we've no fair play of- yeah um and then obviously uh, a naked and um, you know those naked juices yeah yeah i know exactly the ones so if you get them in the meal deal it's all good oh there you go yeah save a bit of money yeah there you go (laughs) okay so uh, question number two just ham is what is your (laughs) (laughs) what is your best football memory it's probably getting the call up for the army person probably probably yeah. yeah that's really good though yeah amazing okay uh question number three who is your sporting hero it's going to be a bit cliche, but Kelly Smith, um, women's football. I just think she made a massive uh, stamp on women's football to grow. And um, even when she left America, I think she just made it possible 
for women to have a career in football. And I know a lot of people my age will probably say the same thing and it's literally say, but yeah, for me, it's definitely that. No, no, I don't think it's cliche at all. I, I mean, for me, as a, a male watching women's football or just football in yeah. general, because you know me, Dem, anything, it goes on the TV. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kelly Smith is the first person you think about when you men- mention the England women's national team. Like, I can remember goals that she scored. Obviously, she was part of the Arsenal team that was ridiculously successful for so many years. And then obviously now they've been caught up a little bit by the money of Manchester City and Chelsea and other teams and all sorts of stuff. But she is, yeah, she she is the one, isn't she, in terms of she's like the David Beckham of the women's national team, in my opinion. She just made it possible for, for girls my age to have the confidence and go and play, whether it's playing in a all-male team or, or some female team had to play male teams because they weren't, uh, there wasn't enough female teams around. So she just made it possible for us to, to feel like we could do it. Uh, okay, question number four. What's your favourite ever pair of football boots? Probably um, my actual ones now, <laughs> my Adidas World Cups, because Ooh, yeah, they nice. are the comfort boots i've ever worn in my life they are like basically made for comfort aren't they world cups yeah, mm. yeah they, they are. they're a timeless classic i swear ah, that's yeah, a good time- good good way to describe them yeah definitely okay um next question is what is your go-to music then oh harry i don't have a dinner i like all all music it depends what mood i'm in go on but one i love a bit of indie yeah love it r&b if I'm in a club, it's got to be R&B. <laughs> if I'm working out, it's indie. It's, it's all different. But um, fun fact, I don't actually listen to music when I run. And a lot of people find me so weird for it. Okay. But I've never, ever, ever listened to music when I run because I feel more stressed when I finish. But actually, if I don't listen to music, I feel like it's more of a release. Oh, um, amazing. So go, let's yeah. um, let's dive into that. Just like, So if you were to choose an R&B artist, who would it be? Hold on. I've got to make the most of the time with you on the podcast here, haven't I? I love a bit of Sean Paul. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's good. That's good. Get yeah, busy. Love a bit of anything like that. Yeah, just yeah. anything to dance to, which is what I'm missing massively is a good dance and a drink with friends. So, yeah. yeah, anything. And then. Mary J. Love a bit of that. Anything nice. Old school. And then old go school. to Indy. Uh, Imagine Dragons. Nice. Yeah. Okay, obviously, when uh, this is the next question, and when you're not pregnant, what is your go to post match um, drink? Wine, which is lethal because I drink quite fast. So it's <laughs> um, wine or gin. Any preference on gin or anything? Anything goes? Gin with a percentage, Harry. If anybody <laughs> No, as long as it's got a percentage, I'm happy. Amazing. Brilliant. Uh, next question. So best leader, captain or manager you've ever played with or been managed by? My best memories of a manager is probably Kia Bowles just because uh, we just had such a laugh and the connection was great. So that was um, your original was, Yeovil manager, yeah? Manager, yeah. yeah. We were managed by Nathan Jones, the Yeovil, a few years ago. I probably learned a lot from him um, and a bit of aggression as well, which is good, even though I already had a bit, but he, he taught, taught me even more. Um, but, and then that's captain I've ever had is Emma Manley, who's the current Sheborn captain now. Amazing. How well is uh, Nathan Jones doing now, by the way? Like, 
<laughs> wouldn't have a clue. Oh, so really? So, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. He's he's managing Luton Town now in the Championship. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, no, he's doing really good. Really, really good. Okay. Yeah, he he was really good. He was an angry manager. Was he? He was definitely an angry manager, yeah. But he um he was good because we knew what we he expected, almost. And the, the bar was set high. And if you weren't setting that, that bar, then... But, but but it's good because it puts you in your place and uh, yeah, right. I think um, that's a key element of a coach really just to know where you stand yeah. every session like is is important it's an important attribute of a coach question number uh, I don't know what number this is but most famous opposition if you have anybody that you could um, for Yeovil years and years ago I played um, or was it County? It was the overall County. We played the Arsenal youth team. Uh, yeah, um, for ladies. And then for Army, it's probably Germany. The Germany Army, German Army team. But yeah, there amazing. Was national, there were some national players in there. So did you, I'm not asked, did you win the game against the German Army? 2-1. We lost 2-1. Oh, no. Yeah. Great. But, was there um, like, was yeah. there a, general sense of like being gutted after that so i think there's a it's competitive that that game every year is a, it's so competitive and i think it's because it's, it's built up yeah so much well um i think any army uh game is really really competitive because uh, we played like high service so we play like the rap and then the, the name oh yeah of course yeah in there so that's so so competitive and can get quite nasty um but yeah, it's uh, any game that you go to like that is competitive and it's gutting. But just to be part of it is enough. It, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Um, okay, this is a deep one. Advice you would like to have given yourself at eighteen? You're good enough. Have the confidence. Stop being so scared of everything, and stop being scared of failure because failure teaches you a lot. That was a bit long. That wasn't it. Wasn't nice. It? really good really good answer that i think that's important though like just on a general note um just trust yourself in it if you want to do something yeah. go out there but and do it i think when i was younger failure was such a i don't know it was a pressure but but actually not to be scared of it and just do it because if you do fail there's no reason why you can't go and do it again and you know yeah. what you did wrong the first time so you'll just be better the next time so yeah just don't be scared and have the confidence wise words wise words yeah um okay i've asked you this one already but i'll i'll let you answer it again more officially if you like uh best players you've played with i'll let you have two um i mean she's an amazing player but she's helped me in my weaknesses so much and she's one of my closest friends Terry Tobias. she doesn't realize how much she helps me pick like just telling me not telling me but if I'm not in the right place, she'll tell me almost. Uh, and she'll, she's so good at reading the game. Yeah. So she'll tell me somewhere and she'll talk me through it. She's made me realise how much reading the game is important. And then again, probably Kelly Olders is probably another one. She plays Army first and she is. Could be on the same, same team as her on the pitch. It is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Do you think, um, just a gen- genuine chat from footballer to footballer. Do you think reading the game is something that you can learn, or do you think that there's like an a, almost like a natural? It comes naturally to people. I've never had it naturally, Harry. Ever. I've never ever had it naturally. And Terry was one of those people that always, always had it naturally. He would tell you where to be, yeah. and then just 
seconds later, the ball was there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, if you know that was going to happen. Um, my dad's another one who could always read a game. Um, I think I've got better at it, but never to the standard that I I could be or should be. Um, and I think that's one of my downfalls is when I get to the higher standards, that's where I struggle. Um, especially for things like one-touch football, which yeah. when you get higher, two-touch football uh, on, on the pitches, that, that's what they like, especially at Army First. They're all about that, but don't hold the ball too long because you slow up the game. So one-touch football, two-touch football is the, best, is the best way to play. So being able to read the game is a massive advantage and probably really important. Um, so yeah, I do think it is a natural thing. I think it can be probably taught, but I think it comes very natural to some Yeah, no, good answer. Uh, and then this was going to be the final one, but I've just created a question in my head. Um, well, have you or do you have any pre-match habits is this penultimate question. I can't ever eat too much. Yeah. It makes... um, but that's just nerves. Um, but is that any really. game? Yeah. Really? Any, any, any game. Um, I'm nervous and I put so much pressure on myself and then I can't eat. But then it doesn't help towards like the 70th, 80th minute because then you're really struggling for energy. Um, but no, a lot of my uh, team members, so Emma Manley, she's really um, suspicious because she has a lot of suspicions. So she'll have the same, it was me the first season, she'd have the same player put on up, catching the armband, um, things like that. So um, she can't change any three match habits because it messes with her, with her head. So I think I've picked that up from her. I wouldn't have it naturally, but because of players like that I've picked up myself but yeah not really not really amazing I haven't dropped it yet but mine is um I've got one and it's I can't wear my the top I'm playing in when I warm up so many so many girls are like that Mm. I think it's quite a common one I just don't like it yeah why is that uh this is only the second time that the interview the inter the person being interviewed has turned into the interviewer why is that for me um I just like it to be fresh. It's yeah. literally, literally the only reason. Like, to, I feel like when you warm up in something, like I like the match kit to be the match kit. Like, because yeah. I like that in in life there aren't many better things than playing a ninety minute game of football, no matter what standard it is. So, like, I just like it to be special. So that like kit, I want it to be clean, okay. non sweaty not wet not muddy and then but then obviously like if it's like weather like it is at the moment first tackle bang straight on the deck it's gonna be muddy then isn't it so (laughs) but yeah no that's that's that one and i'm gonna go with this is a made-up question for this podcast uh if demi bromfield was to compare her to any footballer who would it be Um, do you remember nikki butt yeah of course i remember nikki butt My dad used to say like him because he wasn't scared of a challenge. Um, but anybody that isn't scared of a challenge, um, that would probably be me. But yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's a good answer. And exact, do you know what? Like, I mean, I probably wouldn't have used Nikki Butt as my example for you, Dem. Yeah. But uh, like in terms of that mindset and that tenacity and working really hard, yeah, I think you've probably got a comparison nailed on there. Amazing. We have wrapped up today's episode of the Grassroots Guy podcast there, Demi. How have you uh, found how have you found it? Yeah, really good actually. Yeah, have you enjoyed down. it. 
Okay, it's really good. I'm really, really proud of you and everything you're doing. It's um, especially in these times, it's nice to see a, a friendly face. So uh, yeah, it's really good that you're doing. Hi. Thank you, Demi. Demi, if people want to go and find you and Sherbourne Town ladies, where can they go and find you? Uh, so Demi Brumfield is uh, my either my Instagram name or my Facebook name. And Sherbourne Town Ladies SC actually have a Twitter page uh, that they can follow. That's actually quite active. Not too active now because of uh, lockdown, but it, it was really active with our games and that. And there's videos and things that, that they post on there. So it, it, it'd be good if we could get a, get a follow on there. Yeah, of course. I'll, uh, I'll make sure people go over your way. Right. Thank you very much for coming on today, Demi. It's been a real pleasure having, uh, like you say, a friendly face from the past on the podcast. Um, If you have liked today's episode, please go over to Apple Podcasts and drop a five star review. And if you aren't already following me on Twitter and Instagram, it is the grassroots guy. What else have I got to say? Hold on. I think that's about it, actually. Thank you very much for listening to the Grassroots Guy podcast with me, Harry Purdy, and today's guest, Demi Bromfield. I'll see you all here again next time.